0: This is She Said, She Said podcast. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. I've spent my entire career as an advocate, connector, problem solver, and master communicator at the highest levels of government and corporate America. I'm also a mom in a dual career household with she said, she said podcast. I'm sharing what I've learned that's helped me. And I'm also drawing additional perspective from a broad range of women who are creating amazing opportunities for themselves and for others. Their stories hold great advice and perspective about common challenges and the best ways to tackle them. Listen, I know your time is precious, but stick around. I think you'll find this investment in you well worth it. Hi friends, welcome. If you are anything like me, you are in search of positive content, especially right now, that's uplifting, but that still makes you think. My guest today truly fits that bill. She's Adriana Carrick, the founder of the Little Words Project, and she's working to make the world a better place, one kind, inspiring word at a time. Adriana, welcome to She Said, She Said.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I am delighted to have you. So tell us about Little Words Project. What is it? How did this get started?
1: I started Little Words Project actually seven years ago now. Seven years ago on November 11th is our seven year anniversary. Wow! Um, Out of my parents' basement, like all good startups begin, Um, (laughs) and it's a it's a company that's really all about inspiring self love and kindness, pretty much amongst everyone. We used to there there has been. For the past few years it's really been mostly about spreading that love amongst women, but we are um, towards the end of this year going to be launching our first ever unisex line. So we're really trying to broaden that reach and and you know touch as many um, hearts of as many different people as possible because we believe that kindness really doesn't you know knows all shapes and sizes so there should be no reason that men can't wear bracelets too. Um yeah, so essentially what we are is a, as I mentioned, a, a it's a pay it forward jewelry company. So the idea is you pick a word that means something to you, you wear that word for as long as you need it, and then you pass it on one day to someone who needs it more. So really sweet, um, like I said, pay it forward concept that just is meant to brighten your day when you look down at your wrist and see your words there. And then also that of someone else's when you do eventually pass it on.
0: Yeah, well it couldn't come at a better time and I'm so interested to hear that you're branching out into items for men as well. We're just coming off of what has been a very divisive election and while we don't need to talk about politics here because people have other blazes (laughs) they can go for that. Um, I would love for you to maybe talk a little bit about the impact that you hope to have. Um, I also want you to get into too, really where the original idea for Little Words Project actually came from. Um, But maybe talk about the impact that you hope to have now that you're expanding this to include men as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, It actually does help to start with where, the idea came from because I had grown up my entire life essentially dealing with negativity from other girls and kids of all ages from I was when I was a very young age um probably started when I was like in the third grade and it continued for me well through college I was essentially bullied that entire portion of my life um which when I tell that to people they're like shocked because I guess you know whatever mold they have in their head of the type of person that might get bullied. I don't fit it. However, it just goes to show that you know you can be targeted, you can be um, attacked for whatever. There might not be a specific reason. It's just because you're that you're the flavor of the week. Right. So for me, it felt like it was like my entire life, um, and it was pretty much I can remember like some incident from like each year of my growing up. And when I say it continued through college, that's kind of when it started to dawn on me that this was like. A problem. Um, it happened a lot with me, with other girls. So that's kind of where the initial desire to start a brand that was all about kindness amongst women mm-hmm. um, came from. Uh, but that's not to say that there aren't plenty of young men and and men, just people in the in from all walks of life, all ages, deal with negativity and cruelty in one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said we've seen that a ton this year. And you know, hopefully that's not going to happen going forward. Um, so essentially the impact that we're hoping to make is the same that it was since the very beginning of launching this. And that's just kind of bringing a little bit more kindness into the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like infringing on the territory of cruelty, um, having something that lives on your wrist that is meant to be a vehicle of that very kindness. Um, I think it just helps people take a second look and, and think twice before they say something negative. They just, you know, they look down and they know that they are a representation, a part of our community. um, And they know that, you know, they kind of have to live up to what they say they're going to live up to when they put on this bracelet. It's almost like a bond with themselves to be kinder. Um, So yeah, we're hoping to do that on a very large scale as we continue to grow. And it's already been, um, like I said, seven years and it's crazy to me how far we've come as far as how many people we've reached.
0: Yeah. So where did the original idea for the bracelet itself come from? This was an idea that you had in college or right after college, but why a bracelet? Why not a necklace or why not some other, some other tool? What was it about the, the bracelet that really resonated with me, with you? And I have them on, I should tell oh, you here, okay. our, our viewers, our listeners rather can't see them, but I'm wearing the two that I have two custom ones. One is she said and one is believe because those were sort of two things that resonated with me but I really I love them they're great I love that yeah believe is
1: actually my favorite word because I believe that you can't achieve anything unless you believe in yourself first right. um so that's been like my number one go-to answer whenever anyone asks what my favorite is it's usually that one so to answer your question why a bracelet you know it's really not as involved of an answer as you might think uh, the answer is I was 21 years old and i was making you know obviously as women we've grown up making jewelry and i shouldn't say just women i'm sure everyone has grown up making friendship bracelets whether it's in camp or with your friends um and i really wanted to you know i i i I guess i intentionally took a new take on an old favorite right just a simple beaded word bracelet, but it also comes down to the simple fact that like, it's what I was able to manufacture on my own in my basement. Like I didn't have to kind of, I didn't have to jump through hoops. I didn't have to figure out, you know, I didn't have to find a factory. I was just like, okay, I can get these materials. I can, you know, sit down. I can make these myself as I have been since I was a kid. Um, and just kind of go from there. And so the original iteration of it I had done in high school, I was making them for myself to kind of get through difficult times, always having positive words, um, that I can look down at. And then when I got into college and I joined a sorority, um, I wanted to come up with a way to kind of like keep the love circulating. So I was like, oh, I'll use these bracelets that I'm making myself and then, um, this concept of passing it on and, and sharing it amongst ourselves, and we can be kind of like the sisterhood of the traveling bracelet. Um, so fast forward, once I graduated, I had seen that the girls were still loving their bracelets. I made my first batch my sophomore year, and it just continued to be something, this like symbol of sisterhood for us that was mm-hmm. like more iconic than our letter shirts, you know what I mean? It was like that is how how you know that that was one of those sorority girls, whatever. Um, And we were, luckily, we were, you know, a a really just a good group of women, a really kind group. They were the reason that I felt like there was hope for kindness and girls. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so once I graduated, I saw they were still doing it. And I thought to myself, like, why not bring this sisterhood to the masses? Um, So it really did. I mean, we started as a, a female empowerment brand. And we're, gonna always be that at our core. Um, but we really just wanted to be as inclusive as possible with this new arm um, of the, the men's unisex um, bracelets that are coming out this year. So, but yeah, simple answer. Yeah. Because-
0: easy. Oftentimes, those are the best, right? Something that's easy and obvious that somebody else is not taking advantage of is sometimes the best answer. So you graduate from college, you were set to go to law school. And you said, "Mm, I think I'm going to pursue this full time. At what point did you realize that this could be not just a hobby or something that you did as a as a gift for friends, but something that was actually a legitimate business idea?
1: I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the, the concept of believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. I really didn't have any concrete evidence that this was gonna work outside of that sorority group. So that 60 women was kind of like my little like, microcosm test group. And seeing how much they loved it, I was kind of convinced that, okay, the right marketing, the right efforts, you know, the right energy, there's a chance that this could really take off for the masses. So when um, I decided I was going to full-time, I guess it really wasn't until about a year into making them and selling them that I was able to really dedicate myself full-time to the business. And with law school, I was studying for the LSAT right around when, or I took the LSAT rather, which is the test to get into Mm -hmm. law school, right around the time that um, I was launching it. I was kind of like, oh, this will just be like a side project. And it really took off in the very beginning and my loss, my my LSAT scores weren't like telling me I had to go to Harvard. So I was like, (laughs) okay, well then I think I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust this and I'm going to kind of go feet first and um, or head first rather and and trust my instincts and believe in myself. And it really helps that I had parents that were so understanding and like totally cool about it. um, And they've been so you know helpful and just supportive of me ever since. And if I didn't have that, I probably would have been a little more inclined to like take a safer route, Um, but I was very lucky in that regard.
0: Yeah. So I have so many questions about (laughs) how you go about starting a business like this, how you scale it, how you go from being in your parents' garage, you making the bracelets to something that obviously has to scale in order to meet customer demand. I know that you have taken a self-funding route, which means that, you know, you're still in charge of you. You're not beholden to your shareholders, just your customers and yourself. But maybe talk a little bit about the scaling process and then why you made the decision to self-fund. Because that can be a tough, you know, it can be tough for people to decide to do that. It can be hard for women entrepreneurs to get funding too, but that's a whole whole other story. But I'd love to hear your perspective.
1: Of course. I mean, that's definitely a part of why I, I never went that route. But um, to kind of start from the very beginning, when it comes to the scalability or the scaling of the brand, I mean, when I tell you that I kind of just started, um, that's exactly what I mean. I really just was like, okay, I, use, I make these, I can make them
0: cuter. I'm going to get was it. Was this just you or did you have a team at this point?
1: No, just me in the very beginning. I was making them literally on my bed in my college dorm room with materials from Michael's. Like it was that (laughs) simple. And um, then once I graduated, I was like, all right, let me just like, let's see. I think I I can put together a website. So I did have, I actually, I say I got the business on sale because I had friends from all different groups. Um, You know, one girl was starting a website development business. So I was like, great, you wanna make my website? I'll be your first client, whatever. And then, uh, you know, I had another friend who was in video production. I had him create like a little video for me. I think I will give myself the credit that from the very beginning, I've always had a pretty decent knack at, at marketing and at the importance of the story and telling the story along with selling the product. And I think that's very important for young entrepreneurs today, like if you want to start something, it's just really good to know, you know, that it's really good to have a story behind it. Right. And and, you know, sell something more than just the product. Right. Sell the feeling, the emotion, the experience. Um, and I think that from the very beginning, that's what we got. Right. Um, but yeah. So, you know, it was really not like a calculated. There was no business plan. There was no OK. After year one, I'm going to be at this stage and da da da. I really just kind of started. I started selling, um, I actually, I reference this book a lot and I, I don't know, I mean, you've definitely done your research, so you might have seen um, <laughs> me talk about it before, but I read this book called The $100 Startup and it's literally a tiny little book and in that book, it, the, 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 the author says, um, which his name's escaping me right now, but the author says, all you need to start a business is something to sell, a way to collect people's money, and people who want to buy it. Wow. And I was like, "Well, that's simple. <laughs> like, I'm gonna do that." So I put up a website, put took pictures of the product, had a way to capture their credit card payments, and a way to ship them out the door. And it was that. It was really just a matter of like, let's just try. Um, you know, right off the bat, I had the help of the sorority posting the link on social media. Social media has been a big help in the scaling of the business. Um, so that really helped. And then. You know, as time went on and I started getting bigger and bigger, I just kind of met the demand with, you know, a a change, right? So if it was, okay, you're getting a ton more online orders, I need to hire someone to come help me make, or I need to beg my mom to come help me make bracelets, which she did. Um, And my dad helped me with the shipping in the very beginning. Again, (laughs) supportive parents are key. So Um, great. Friends or family, whatever you have, leverage them um and then you know as as time went on and we started going into retail stores because i had a rep contact me and say hey i think i could help you get into stores i'm like what does that mean and i would learn right so it was really just a bootstrapped experience where i would every single day i'd learn something new and i'm still learning to this day it's it's exhausting um <laughs> but it's really it's cool to feel like you can do it on your own. And and I like that you mentioned that we didn't go the traditional funding route because um, so many people feel as though, I don't know, I feel like it's a barrier to entry for so many young people, especially young women who are maybe a little kind of intimidated by that concept. I definitely was. I'm not as much anymore, but now we don't really need it. So if I had been a little more confident back then, I guess maybe I would have tried that route. Um, but ultimately we ended up not needing it and we've been self-funded since the very beginning and profitable in the first month, which is just exciting to think about. And we've remained that since, since that time. Um, and we managed to double actually, or just, just shy of double year over year since starting. So it's just been a, you know, a a wild ride that we figured out on the way. And I see now because after my first year I ended up slowly building that team. It went from one person to two people to three to now about 25.
0: That's really, <laughs> really incredible. Congratulations. That's awesome. So for a social impact business, which is what this is, right? It's, it's a direct consumer uh, social impact business, but you're also looking at Um, at partnering and using influencers and things like that. Maybe talk a bit because this whole notion of having quote unquote influencers is kind of a new concept. It's like raging and on fire. But how do you think about that as it relates to being really true? Your story is such an important component of your business, especially when it's a social impact business. And that's clearly something that's important to you. You've talked about that. Maybe talk about how you go about, selecting other brands to work with, selecting influencers to work with. How do you think about that as it relates to the overall story of your business?
1: I think, like you said, it's it's a relatively new element of the business, right? Um, when I first started, Instagram was like brand new mm. and I was really lucky and able to kind of ride that growth wave with it. Um, but I remember, you know, in the very beginning, I was posting to like nobody. There were like three major influencers that are now, you know, the biggest ones out there and they were small at the time. Um, so the concept of like influencer gifting or working with influencers, it really didn't exist. So I really just catered at that time to my customer. So I would post pictures, I'd do behind the scenes. I've always been super transparent on social media. Like, I'm, I'm put together right now for the first time in months um, because we had a video that we were filming. For the most part, it's like me with my hair up, in sweat, at the office, at home, whatever it might be, being like, this is business owning, you know? And I think that transparency really kind of garnered this community around us who just love what we're doing and and love that they feel like they know us and they know our lives. They know our first and last name. Well, maybe not last, but they know our names for sure. Actually, yeah, they know our first and last Um, and they're, you know, communicative with us and they love, chatting with us via dm and that's just continuously been our thing we really wanted people to feel like we were a part of their friend group um so that's kind of how we have leveraged social media much more so than the influencer gifting aspect Um, but to answer your question how we typically work with people we i mean i don't pay for posts ever um unless it's someone that i'm like they've worked with us before they have shown and 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 promoted the product on their own accord because they just love it, Mm -hmm. then I'm like, okay, I understand influencers. That's your livelihood and I want to support. So it's kind of like a mutual support experience, but you're never going to catch me like sliding into an influencer's DM and agreeing to like a thousand dollars of a post, you know, it's just, It's too much. It's hard as a small business to keep up with that kind of stuff. Um, So that's my first rule of thumb. And then the second rule of thumb is we really only work with people that are true, you know, quote, nice girls, as we like to refer to ourselves, and soon nice guys, and really just wanting to make sure that they practice what they preach and they are honestly who they say they are. Um, It takes a little bit more research and being a little bit more picky, but I do think in the end it, it really keeps us true to who we are and, and people respect us for that. And yeah. same as well as with partnerships, you know, a lot of times we have had people reach out that we're like, it just, it's not the right fit. It might be a big opportunity for us, but it's not the right fit at the end of the day. So we really try to be mindful about that kind of stuff.
0: Who do you? Who are you getting advice from? Do you have a have a an official board of directors? Given the fact that you're self-funded, you don't really need that in the same way. So who do who are you turning to for advice and counsel? Um, and then how do you know who to listen to if you have yeah. several people giving you conflicting advice?
1: Um, it, this is going to sound really crazy, but like no one. <laughs>
0: uh, which does sound a little crazy.
1: <laughs> There was a point in time when I first started where I felt like I really, really needed a little bit more guidance. But again, like Google is your best friend. YouTube is your best friend. I learned a lot by just doing my own research. Um, A lot of it has been talking to other small business owners through the trade show circuit, which hopefully that comes back eventually. But you meet so many people who are out there trying to sell their product to retailers that are all young. I mean, I've met so many other bracelet companies and um, you know, recently, and, and, and it's really just asking, like, I, I reached out to the, the founder and owner of Pura Vida, um, which is a major jewelry brand that recently sold um, to Vera Bradley for like, mega millions of dollars. And I was like, how did you do it? You know, what was your process? And I scheduled a 30 minute call with him and he was so gracious and willing to give me that advice. So a lot of it's just being willing to put yourself out there and ask people who have done it before you, Um, asking via Instagram, finding their email, sending them an email, but there's no board. Um, You know, I've had one, uh, one other mentor throughout the experience where she owned another jewelry company and we worked something out where I'd be able to contact her whenever I needed. Um, and she really helped me in that earlier phase. But again, it's just it's asking people in their respective industries. You know, as we move into a phase of like maybe we will want to sell eventually or become acquired or what have you. Now, you know, I'm having more conversations with financial people and lawyers. And every time I talk to someone who's in that industry, I'm like, hey, so uh, can I just you know tell you a little bit about my brand? And and it's just like a constant conversation. Um, But yeah, it's definitely a little crazy that I don't go to someone. (laughs) I feel like I'm that person now for so many young startups that it's um, it's crazy that to think that I got here really through researching and not being afraid to ask people who've been there.
0: Yeah, well, and not being afraid to say I don't know. I really need help. I really need perspective, which is which is really tremendous advice. So um, because we are still in this period of pandemic. Talk about how that's affected your business. You're a direct-to-consumer business already, but how did it affect you and your existing team when everything shut down several months ago? What's been the impact?
1: It was hard. I mean, as as a business owner, it was really, really hard because I genuinely did not want to have to furlough any of my employees. I did not want to lose any of my employees permanently. um, And I really wanted to, you know, kind of, Make everything work in this new normal. And, you know, again, thankfully we have a community of customers that are so loyal and just so committed to seeing us thrive that I was able to put up a story on Instagram and say, hey guys, you know, we need your help. We need you to buy. We need you to gift these bracelets to people who need that encouragement during this tough time. And we had our customers come out in droves. I mean, we all of wholesale, which is where you sell b2b right instead of direct Mm. consumer you're selling to retail stores um, so that they could sell to their consumer that whole industry was like completely bare for those four months and we're sold in some major retailers like Nordstrom and Anthropology, and all things halted so that was really hard because it it becomes a huge revenue stream for you so that halted I was like oh my gosh what are we gonna do and you know we applied for the PPP luckily we got that um and we were able to use it all for you know the the purposes of keeping the team on, on on board and then our customers came through for us and we ended up having a better quarter than we had forecasted for despite all of the changes and you know I know that's not the same for every business, and so you know I, I know how I know how lucky we are and I'm so grateful um, but it, again I just I really credit our community and the people that come up, show up for us every single day.
0: Yeah. Was there anything strategically that you did in order to leverage the existing community? So what, so was there anything that you did with social media or with marketing differently, sort of trying to come out of this than you might have done otherwise?
1: Um, I think definitely showing a little bit more of my cards and like talking to them, honestly, I mean, there were tears in my eyes when I gave up my little video feel you know asking them to you know support us during this time when they have so many other companies and and family members and things that they needed to support and so we just felt lucky that we were one of them Um, but then also when it came to shifting focus we stopped all worrying about our wholesale and all the things we had to get prepared for for wholesale which we're paying for now because it's back and we like are not as prepared as we should be Um, but we shifted focused towards retail and we were getting orders out the door um, faster than we ever have so that this way so that this way our customers would be able to um, you know get their orders immediately be immediately gratified come back and buy again or share it with others and it just really helped spread the word even faster so the strategy really was just like they're 100% our number one priority above all else. And, you know, I had, um, while we were lucky that, you know, certain members of my team were considered essential in that they were um, like, you know, factory workers, they had to get those things out the door. So they continued coming in, the rest of my team worked remotely from home. um, So all the front office essentially they had to keep trying to, you know, my partnerships director was like, nobody wants to do anything. And I'm like, I know, we just have to keep planning for the future. And that's really what it came down to, just really shifting gears to being very, very customer centered during those those crazy months. But it was nuts to say the least. They were literally all quarantining and then coming to work only and then going right back home and quarantining again. So it was like very, very unique.
0: <laughs> yeah. So w- would you consider this to be the biggest challenge that you faced in business or is there something else that you've dealt with that is helpful for maybe would-be entrepreneurs to, to understand?
1: Um, I definitely think it was one of the biggest challenges just because it was... So unexpected and unprecedented, mm-hmm. and so I really just was like flying by the seat of my pants but
0: and there's I, really no one to call right when you pick up the phone and call people, everybody was as lost as you were, presumably
1: exactly exactly, and so I think I just borrowed from that experience of being a bootstrapping entrepreneur that had to like pivot and figure it out um, and I think you know i'm really grateful that I do have that, and i I don't have anyone to fall back on as a crutch, if you will, because it really forces me to put my thinking cap on and figure it out, you know, and I was an English major in college, just to be clear, like I have no business background. <laughs> and so it was like, oh my God, I'm really gonna, luckily my husband is a uh, financial director. And so he like kind of, he definitely has a head for that, a lot of that stuff, but I've learned along the way. And, and it's been, um, it's been easy, not easy, but it's been fun almost to figure out those challenges. I will say just kind of on another note, as far as how difficult things have been, I mean, I, there was a period of time for about a year and a half that my husband and I were actually trying to start a family. Um, And it took a very long time. We were, you know, going through the infertility struggle and that was the hardest Mm -hmm. time in business for me because it was the first time that I ever was like, I don't even care about the company right now. Like I only care about what I'm eating and how I'm acting. And I was so obsessed with um, getting over that hump that I was, it was really hard for me to like focus on the company at hand. So one of the bigger challenges as a business owner that I will say from now till my death is hiring um, and getting the right team. So, Luckily, I, I was able to put a good a good group in place that they kind of carried that entire year without much help from me because I was like in such a state. Um, but yeah, so that was one of the other really hard times is just really learning how to balance yourself and your And business. if
0: I'm not mistaken, a lot of this was happening w- during COVID too. So on top of COVID, because you were kind enough to share on social media the great news that uh, you and your husband are expecting your first baby. So congratulations, that's really, really wonderful. Um, but you were dealing with that and the infertility treatments and all the drama and, and, and you know, hormone fluctuations and everything that goes with that while also living through a pandemic and running a business through a pandemic. How did you keep it all together?
1: Oh my gosh. Um I didn't.
0: <laughs> I didn't and I didn't
1: fault myself for that. And that's really what it comes down to. I was just like, look, I am a mess. I don't care. It this is what it is. My team is freaking awesome. And you guys are I was just very transparent. I mean, I I talked about the infertility struggle. I, you know, shared with social media that I did do IVF um, for us to be able to conceive, and yeah, you're right. I did those treatments all during the pandemic. My husband couldn't come in with me; he sat in the car in a mask. But you know, I, I always look. I mean, hindsight is 2020, and looking back, obviously, I wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't be pregnant. I wouldn't have this baby coming to me um, had it not been for all of those things. I mean in a really crazy way, you know, the COVID, the pandemic, really forced me to slow down, chill out, realize that you cannot handle, and t- you can't control everything. And, you know, I think the lesson of infertility is exactly that, and the lesson of the pandemic and, and the COVID experience is exactly that. So it was this, like, melding of the right timing, as, again, as weird as it saying, I know that was not how COVID treated everybody, you know right. what I mean? Um, but I just was forced to chill and kind of let the pieces fall where they may and be confident in what I've built up to that point to establish, you know, that good foundation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, no, it was, it was crazy.
0: (laughs) How, how, so it was very important to you to share authentically, to share your story and your struggle with your community broadly. That can be a very difficult thing to do. Maybe talk about why that was important.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, do you mean with regards to infertility or with regards to just being a business owner?
0: <laughs> all of it, all of it, really. You know, because you're making a determination about whether you want your something that is really personal to you and very private. Whether you want to share that publicly, right? It becomes. It's not just your story. It's your husband's story. It's your child who's not here yet but it's it's everybody's story so you have to make a determination about whether everybody wants to be in the limelight and wants to have you know what i mean so talk about maybe how you thought through that and why that was important from the standpoint of your brand
1: yeah. Um, so, I mean, from the standpoint of my brand and just from the standpoint of, like, my personal brand, too, of who I, Adriana Carrig, is, I have been that girl since the very beginning of time. I'm, I'm very open. I don't feel like I am someone who um, – I, I just thrive in environments where I can talk, and, like, if, if there's something – wrong or something that i'm going through if i keep it all in i would combust you know so i needed the ability to be able to share it social media kind of provided that platform where not only could i share but i could also help and being able to help other women who are going through that and often silently because like you said you know this isn't just my story it's my husband's story it's my in-laws story it's my parents story and you know i definitely beginning a lot of, especially the older generation was a little like, mm, are you going to definitely tell everybody this? You know, are you going to share the whole thing? And even my little brother is like, who's a little bit more conservative in that regard. He's like, are you going to really like document the whole experience? And I'm like, yeah, you know, cause that, I understand that it's, it's not, ev- you know, not everybody is comfortable with that. But for me, knowing that I'm able to help other women go through that same struggle who can't and don't have as much of a, of a good understanding from their family. Um, or, uh, you know, as, as understanding of a family, I should say rather it, it, that meant the world to me and having people every, every other week, tell me, Hey, I'm going through struggles too. Thank you for being so open. It's really helpful to see someone have their happy ending. And that's, that's what kept me going a lot. And now don't get me wrong. There were a lot of times that I didn't, I wasn't like, crying let me hop on and show that difficulty i just would share the story a lot of times after or during but you know it was a it was a subtle version and yeah i mean how that goes back to the brand is the same thing it's just i've just always been transparent um i will say that since you know the craziness of the election and since getting pregnant and just in general i've been feeling sort of like like icky about social media so i've been like i'm just gonna I'm going to be a little quieter and I've been taking my little break and I'm giving myself that grace, you know, and if people have asked like, what's going on and I'm like, I'll respond, but I'm not as open right now and that's okay. Like it's whatever makes sense for you and whatever makes you feel good.
0: Yeah. Maybe talk a bit about one element of the bracelets that I don't think you touched on is that on each one, there's a little tag with a number. I'd love for you to talk about maybe stories that women have shared through these little tags and what you've learned from their stories.
1: Each bracelet has a little tag on it. Um, And I know, I don't know if you're going to show any footage, but I'll see if I can put this in the screen. Well,
0: we're we're for sure going to show, yeah, I, I can see that. And then we'll also... Includes some photographs. Yeah, I'll get some screenshots. They never look quite as good, but we'll, we'll do, what we, do what we can. So folks should check out uh, both Adriana's feed and mine on Instagram because we'll post pictures so that you can see both the bracelets and the tags. So sorry to yeah. interrupt you.
1: No, of course. Um, so yeah, so each bracelet has that little tag and on there is a number um, that you use, it's a code really, that you use to register the bracelet on our mobile app or on our website. So this is a way for you to put in your story, um, share what the word has done for you or or what it means to you or why you purchased it or what have you. Um, And then eventually when you no longer need that word or when someone else needs it more than you do, you can pass that bracelet on. And as long as she or he registers the tag, you can actually track and see where the bracelet goes. So you can see how it's impacted that person and then the next person and the next person. Um, And it's really just an incredible way to Again, see how your single act of kindness affects people down the line. Some of the stories that we've seen is really, you know, what makes me get out of bed every morning, just the knowledge that we really are making a difference in so many people's lives. And just the fact that we're still here. I mean, when you look at the product, it's a very simple bracelet. You know, it's a very simple design. It's not like I did anything revolutionary. I, I just took something that has been a fan favorite forever and put a little extra spin on it. And to know that it's been impacting so many lives has just blown us away. And you know, obviously my my brain is currently in fertility. um, And those are the stories though that really did impact me the most when I was going through my journey because and also the stories are all published. So you can go on our website and read all the recent registrations, which is really cool. Um, But there was, you know, there were bracelets that were passed. Woman to woman, who had gone through infertility and then eventually had their babies, um, there were bracelets through the you know where one woman would wear it through all of her all of her experience and then send us a picture of her finally holding her baby with the, the bracelet visible. Oh. Um, those really lovely. Those got me, um, but if, you know there's there are stories that run the gamut from it's a young girl who just got it for her first dance recital to you know a, an older woman who whose daughter gave it to her because she just started her first round of chemo. Um, and then that woman wears it through her survivor story. So it's just incredible that it's this little piece of jewelry. I say it's like plastic on a string. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we, we kind of like humble ourselves every once in a while when we remember that. And yet it's doing so much good. And it's yeah.
0: Well, while the the origin of this came from really girl-on-girl bullying, there's a lot of effort um, to shine a spotlight on bad behavior, and, you know, you started being bullying many years ago, right? Do you think there's been um, sort of a shift around this? Do you think that is getting better because of efforts, not just your efforts, even though it's incredibly important, there's a lot of effort to really shine a spotlight and make girls and parents or caregivers much more aware of the problem. Do you see it changing?
1: I do. I do. I think um, despite, you know, obviously the state of the world right now, I do feel as though you know, there's never been this much inclusivity being so important. You know, there's never been this much talk of the social difficulties that we are going through as a nation, and and the importance of of putting you know your neighbor a- ahead of you ahead of yourself. And I think that that's something that is definitely new. Um, I always say too, like I really I hopped on right as the wave was about to take off, and and we kind of we've been cresting through this. This experience. But, you know, I started the brand three years before, you know, the Hillary Clinton election and the I'm with her campaign and the the feminist movement that kind of resurged and just the girl power that kind of came out from all that. We were starting something just for girls when people were like, really, it's just for girls? Like, what about the rest of the population? So I do feel like we gave it a good seven year run of just focusing on women. And now as we have seen, you know, a, a, a slight change. I mean, again, I never, never thought I was going to eradicate c- cruelty <laughs> with it. With but like I said earlier, just like kind of like seep into its territory a bit, you know? And I do think that we've got women on this, in this community and men who are just so committed to being kinder. So I don't know that I can speak necessarily to the whole world at large, but, definitely our community has grown, which means that people are more and more aware of this little piece of jewelry that is meant to spread kindness. And we're very, we like beat that over the head, that concept. So, you know, if you're wearing a little word, I like to say that, you know, that's like a safe person. That's a nice person that you can trust.
0: So as I understand it, you're also in the process of launching or have launched a nonprofit arm, The Block Project, correct? Talk about both why you decided to also at the same time launch an, a nonprofit and what its what its focus and function is likely to be.
1: I'm laughing at at your question of like why did you decide to do it at the same time, and my only answer is. Because... <laughs> crazy
0: <laughs> <laughs> well and you're because you're branching out with men and you're and you're doing yeah. I didn't even realize that you were reaching out to men until we started this conversation but I'm like wow that and the nonprofit almost simultaneously oh, without any help <laughs> oh, <laughs> call. Um, No. so your questions are making me
1: feel like I'm crazier than I am um no but it's good I it, I love being busy I love and especially with an impending maternity leave coming up, I'm like getting it all in now and yeah. settled so that I'm not like launching something brand new in April when I'm due.
0: But they are different focuses, right? I mean, the the nonprofit has a has a different focus. So maybe talk about how what what that big difference is and why you felt the that there was an additional need that wasn't being met through the through the retail business.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I've, it was always very important to me to be giving back throughout the process of having a retail business. So whether it was, you know, every month we worked with a different nonprofit in the very beginning and I would donate a portion of the sales of a one bracelet and I changed that every single month. And that was kind of tough, but that was the original model that it would have a bracelet per month for a different nonprofit and we could, you know, give back to that nonprofit. That was great, very hard to keep up with um, as we continued to grow. So then we shifted to every quarter, then every year. And it wasn't until about five years in, I mean, the whole time I knew I wanted to start something that would really be impactful as a nonprofit. Um, But it wasn't until about five years in that I was like, you know what, I think what it really should be is focusing on young women, um, the collegiate age uh, in college who are, who kind of were like me, who had, I, I was lucky enough to have a, a group of women that I could turn to and they helped shape me and I was, you know, but that's not always the case for everyone in sororities and nor is that the case for every girl on college campuses who don't have a sport, a sports group or a sorority to turn to. So I wanted to be kind of like the home away from home for those girls where they could learn principles of self-love, kindness, uh, confidence, leadership things that you're not really taught in school. Um, so that's kind of where the block came to be. It's It stands for bold leaders organi- organizing communities of kindness. Mm. Um, and we launched it actually a year and a half ago. Um, so it's definitely been ahead of what's been going on, what we're planning on doing with the men's stuff. Um, but it has unfortunately been one of the hardest things hit by covid because of the lockdowns girls not going back to school we were just kind of getting into the swing of things we already had 10 chapters and we were trying to continue to build um but everything paused you know grants paused the girls you know these these girls going back to school and then like the world exploded and it felt like oh my god there's so many causes right now that need more i shouldn't say more attention but more attention sure um, that i even myself was like okay let's kind of just provide these girls who we currently have with the digital tools. So we've kind of shifted to more of like a digital panel option. Um, I'll probably share with them this recording um, just to kind of provide them with that inspiration without putting any extra stress on them and, you know, requiring that they meet once a month, you know, so long story short, that you didn't even ask how it was affected, but that's your answer. Um, And then, yeah, to do it all, right now to continue to run that stuff. It is hard. It's one of the harder things because it's not like you just snap your fingers and have a flourishing nonprofit. There's a lot of work that goes into it and, you know, it's going to require a lot more time and effort to build it to what we're hoping it to be.
0: Yeah. It's a beautiful concept though. It really, it really Thanks. is lovely. So if you could maybe share with me the impact that you hope to have, right? If you had to distill it down, what's the impact that you hope you will have had?
1: you know i hope that over time our bracelets are truly synonymous with kindness in the way that i was just kind of alluding to earlier you know i've got plenty of stories of now where you know we have customers that say oh i saw someone wearing a little word at starbucks and we had a whole conversation about what her word was and we did an exchange or what have you and those stories have become more and more frequent. um, And I want them to be, you know, I would love eventually for it to be like commonplace for everyone to have a bracelet and for it to be a normal thing where you're just like, Oh, you know, you're going through this. I have strength. Let me pass that on. And it's not like having to teach them what it is anymore, but rather just this knowledge that, you know, this product exists that is meant to spread kindness. And if you see someone in it, you know that that's a safe person. And if we can get it onto as many risks as possible, um, you know, there's a chance that that could actually be achieved. So definitely a broad, um, a broad goal for sure, but we've come this far and accomplished this much with zero knowledge of what we were doing. So to know that, you know, we've come that far, there's, there's no telling how far we can go with it.
0: Yeah. If you had, if you could give yourself, um, advice, sort of going back to the point in which you started this business, maybe a single piece of advice or something that you wish you had known then, what would that be?
1: I think it's take care of yourself. Um, and I say that because for a long time, I really only cared about this business and it took First place to everything in my life, including my sleep, my mental health, my well-being, um, and you know, I don't. I, I I was diagnosed, by the way, as unexplained infertility. There was no explanation for it, and I don't. I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to pretend that you know I know what exactly did it to me. But I do think that all that stress for so many years really affected. My body, and you know, whether that was what did it or didn't, it's still like I still feel it to this day. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning, you know. So, and I'm 30, I'm gonna say 29, not anymore, I'm 30, um, and that just shouldn't be like the case right now. So, I say that because I know there are so many people who believe this concept of like, you gotta hustle, never stop. And even if I were a little further behind where I am today, I do think that I would, you know, my body would be thanking me kind of thing. So, just taking care of yourself. It's not a huge business piece of advice, but. When you're your best, then you can perform your best. And I think I maybe would have made a lot less mistakes along the way if I was a little less tired, you know, or a little better nourished. Um, So yeah, taking care of myself is probably the, I'd I'd do it a little bit better (laughs) if I could go
0: back in time. (laughs) Yeah, it's great advice. It's great advice. This has been such a pleasure. I really loved meeting you and congratulations on everything you have going on. The baby coming, the business, all of these things. It's really terrific
1: thank you so much laura i really appreciate it it's been a great conversation you really are
0: probably one of the best interviewers that i've I've ever worked with you're sweet thank you very much thank you i appreciate that to learn more about adriana carrick and the little words project check out the show notes for this episode and don't forget her amazing bracelets make great holiday gifts so if you're starting to think about the holidays which are coming up in just a few short weeks check out the link that i've included in the show notes for this episode you can purchase her bracelets directly from that link if you're new to she said she said podcast please be sure to check out our past episodes including the new short form pods these are five to ten minutes of perspective on a topic that comes up that i think you guys will really appreciate the last one was on how you can build your confidence by embracing those or building relationships with those who have a different ideology or a political point of view. Um, these are new content for the platform and I would really love to know what you think. I'd also love to know what other topics you'd really like to hear about. Um, any feedback would be greatly appreciated. And before I let you go, I also want to ask a favor. If you're enjoying She Said, She Said podcast, and I sure hope you are, I would be so grateful if you could share us with your friends. And I would also be so grateful if you would go on iTunes and give us a nice review. Just a few quick words and five stars, if you don't mind, would be awesome. Nice words and nice reviews make a big, big difference. They help us move up the charts and they help others who are looking for content like this to find it more easily. I really appreciate you being here as always. And I hope that you found some great perspective and got a positive lift for your week. I'll see you next time. Take care.